the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Five one forty eight. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. True greatness is a matter of serving others and doing them good. And secondly, true greatness is seeing good in others and celebrating what God is doing in them and through them, even if we disagree or we differ. Do you want to be great in God's kingdom? Don't seek to be served. Serve others. Turn on any sports program or watch a Hollywood awards show, and you'll often hear people named as one of the greats. But what is it that makes a person truly great, not in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of God? We're looking at the topic of true greatness today on Know the Truth and what it is that separates biblical greatness from all worldly definitions. This message is part of a series from the Gospel of Mark called The Essential Jesus. And here's Philip DeCourcy. When the world measures greatness, it typically measures it in terms of privilege, pedigree, possessions, power, position. Those are the yardsticks by which the world measures success. If you enjoy privilege or pedigree or power or popularity or possessions or position, well, the world will tell you, you have arrived. You're a significant person. You're a success in life. Now, I want to help you understand, and Jesus will do this for us, that the kingdom of God sees it differently. God measures greatness in terms of service, not status. In terms of serving others, not self. In terms of spiritual riches, not material wealth. You see, God's kingdom is upside down when compared to the culture. Jesus will tell us in this text, and he'll tell us later in Mark's gospel, that in his kingdom, the first is last and the last is first. True greatness lies not in how many people serve you, but how many people you serve. So God's kingdom is upside down when compared to the world. In fact, Marshall Zegel, who's on staff with John Piper at Desiring God in Minneapolis, says this, the call to live and be great is a call to serve and even die. That just about summarizes what Jesus is about to teach us. Let me say that again. The call to live and be great is a call to serve and die. Because what we're going to see, that as the disciples discuss greatness, Jesus doesn't repudiate the idea of greatness. He redefines the idea of greatness. God wants us to live lives marked by greatness. God wants us to live lives that are significant, noticeably impactful, 
But we're going to see that how that is achieved and described is completely different from the culture in which you and I live. Now, let's put the text in its context. Mark 9, we're going to see here in verse 30, then they departed from there and passed through Galilee, that Jesus is on the move again. Mark is moving the story forward. And we're moving into that section in Mark's gospel where Jesus is traveling southwards through Galilee. He'll make a stop in Capernaum, and the rest of Mark's gospel will bring us to that entrance into the city of Jerusalem and the final encounter with his enemies. So that's part of the significance of this text. Then they departed from there. Jesus is leaving Mount Hermon, leaving Caesarea Philippi, leaving northern Galilee, and now he's making the first leg of a journey that will ultimately land him in Jerusalem, and he will encounter his enemies. Having said that, then we wouldn't be surprised to see that the significance of this passage is also tied to the fact that Jesus says in verse 31 that the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men. This is the second of three passion predictions where Jesus explicitly states that he has not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom on the cross in Jerusalem for indeed sinners and for sin. He'll also use this teaching on his impending death his service towards the Father and mankind in the giving of himself in an act of atonement, he will pivot off that. That's the word, right, in today's culture. We've all got to pivot. Well, Jesus is pivoting here, and he's going to pivot from his own death to their death, from his own service to their service, from his own suffering to their suffering, from his own bearing the cross to their bearing the cross. And he's going to teach his disciples how to live, and if need be, how to die for the sake of the gospel. That's true greatness. In fact, Mark 8, 9, and 10 is a section of Mark's gospel that's really focused on Jesus' private tuition and tutoring of his own disciples. We've gone away from public ministry, by and large, to the fact that his disciples are now in an intense training time. He taught them. He told them. He tutored them. So, true greatness. What does it look like? Well, we've said the world will tell you it's about, you know, how many Twitter followers you have, where you live, what you own. It's about status. It's about wealth. It's about notoriety. It's about heritage. It's about who you know, not what you are. Jesus is going to turn that all on its head. And he's going to teach us that true greatness is about serving others, celebrating others, protecting others. Or as I'll outline it, serving, saluting, and safeguarding. So let's look at the first thought, the matter of serving others. That's true greatness, verses 33 to 37. Jesus is leaving northern Galilee, heading southward in the first leg of the journey to Jerusalem. We read he makes a stop here in verse 33 at Capernaum. Tells us that he enters a house with his disciples. You'll notice it's in the definite article, the house. What particular house? Well, we might guess it's Peter's house could well be Peter's house because we read about the house back in chapter 1 and verse 29, and it was Peter's house or his mother-in-law's house. Having slowed down, maybe they've got their feet washed, got a little bite to eat. They're now sitting around decompressing. And Jesus says, hey guys, when we were on the road here to Capernaum, you guys were in a bit of a dispute. What was that all about? And the Bible tells us that they were silent. They didn't want to tell him what it was about because the text tells us what it was about. 
It was about who was the greatest. That's what they were discussing. That's what they were debating with each other. No wonder they're embarrassed. Embarrassed to admit that they were discussing who was the greatest among the disciples. How pathetic. No wonder they're quiet because it's embarrassing in the light of Jesus' passion prediction. He had just told them, we're on our way to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of men. I am submitting to the will of the Father. I'm becoming obedient unto death on the cross, to borrow Paul's words. I'm going to be delivered and betrayed into the hands of men. I'm going to be killed. And three days later, I'm going to rise. And you know what? That's the gospel. The amazing thing that the Word was made flesh so that His flesh could be torn in an act of atonement and substitutionary death for us. What an amazing truth that He who was equal with God made Himself of no reputation, came in the form of a servant and in the likeness of men, and he bowed to the Father's will and embraced a cruel Roman cross. And these bozos are discussing who's the greatest. Isn't his death on the cross the greatest thing imaginable? We shouldn't be talking about anybody else or anything else other than that at the center of our conversation, because that's truly great. But what you've got is a bunch of losers who still haven't grasped what Jesus is teaching them, who still couldn't cast out a demon at the foot of Mount Hermon, and they are in a discussion about who's great. I mean, this is embarrassing in the light of Jesus' passion prediction. And it's embarrassing in the light of his teaching on humility. Back in the Sermon on the Mount, happened a long time before this moment, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. The lower you get, the higher you'll achieve. Because God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. If you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he'll lift you up. Guys, what are you talking about? Who's the greatest? And so he verbally rebukes them and he visually rebukes them verbally rebukes him, visually rebukes him. Let's go back to the text and look at verse 35. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. He sat down. That's the posture of a rabbi. Implication, schools, and session. And Jesus lays into them. And he says, I want to renew your mind. I want to reverse your thinking. I want to point out that in God's upside-down kingdom, the truth is usually the opposite of the prevailing culture. God opposes the pride. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. If you want to be first, you're going to be last, you're going to be the servant of all. But if you'll be the servant of all, God will bless you, use your life, and you'll be surprised at how God uses you. That's what it means to be significant in the kingdom. The way up is down, guys. Stop sticking your chest out. Put your head down. Serve selflessly in the shadows. That's true greatness. And he not only rebukes him verbally, he rebukes him visually. Next, the Lord Jesus drops and plops a child right into the middle of the circle of disciples that were sitting around him, very much in a kind of rabbi classroom setting. We don't know who the child was. It's a male child, a small child. Jesus lifts the child in his arms, sets him in the midst of them. Some have suggested it could be Peter's child, which would come as a great shock to the Roman Catholic Church, but there you are. Could be well Peter's child because we're in Peter's house. But whatever, this child is used to make a point. Now, typically, Jesus uses children to kind of be a model of humility and innocency to some degree, vulnerability. I don't think that's the case here because Jesus says about this child, hey, whoever receives, verse 37, one of these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me. This is an issue of treatment. 
Jesus says, I want you to serve and treat and honor this little one. I think by implication, Jesus is saying, hey, this little one, this overlooked person, because in the culture of the day, children were seen, not heard, largely ignored. They don't have the kind of focus we give them in our culture. And the child illustrates, represents the least of society, the weak, the overlooked, the unimportant. In our culture, it would be the poor, the disabled, the AIDS victim, something like that. And Jesus says, hey, you want to know what greatness is? Receive a little one like this, an insignificant, overlooked, unimportant person like you're receiving me. Treat them like you treat me. That's greatness. And so he verbally and visually rebukes them. Because this is the one who has submitted to the will of the Father. This is the one who has come not to be served, but to serve. And guys, that's the challenge. This is a gospel implication, an imperative that cuts across the grain of human experience and our culture. I mean, our culture encourages us to strut, to make ourselves the center of attention, to live on planet me where everything orbits around the planet me. You exist for me. I don't exist for you. You exist for me. That's the culture. That's why Madonna gives voice to that in the several magazine articles over her career where she says, you know what? From when I was a young girl, I've had a single passion, and that is to rule the world. She also says that, you know, she finds no pleasure and finds no enticement or purpose in being, these are her words, simply a brush stroke in someone else's painting. She wants the paintbrush in her hand. She'll draw her life as she wants. She'll have it as she desires. And I'm not ragging on Madonna, although she is, you know, an ostentatious, proud character, but she's just a voice, you know, a pinup for the culture that says, love yourself, take care of yourself, pamper yourself, knock anybody out of the way that's in your way. Live happily on planet me. And Jesus cuts across that. He says, this is the problem. You and I were born with what the old theologians call a concaved heart. We're born not with a curvature of the spine, but a curvature of the heart. The heart is turned in on itself. It loves to focus on itself, feel sorry for itself, focus there. And that's how we are by birth, and new birth breaks that cycle. Over time, it breaks that cycle. It weans us off ourselves, and it points to others, and it makes Christ first. And that's what Jesus is teaching. Guys, stop all this nonsense about greatness, and who's first, and who's best, and who's strongest, and who's achieved the most. Let me talk to you about greatness. It's about denying yourself. It's about being found in the company of the least. I love Romans 12, 16, where Paul says, be found in the company of the humble. Serve the disadvantaged, the poor, the disabled. Put others first. Isn't that what Paul argues? In the light of the cross, in the light of the service and surrender of Jesus Christ, we are to esteem others more highly than ourselves. Treat others equally. Don't do what they did in the church that James addressed in James 2, 2 to 3, where the guy who came in in the Italian cut suit, got out of his Ferrari, was wheeled to the front of the church and given the prominent seat. And the guy that came in after a night shift in his dungarees, well, he was put to the back of the church. And they'd mistreated 
people. They treated people unequally given their social status, their riches, their wealth, their ethnicity. That should never be found in the church. Not here, not ever. Everybody's welcome here, no matter who they are, where they're from, how they dress, whatever. Because that's what it means to be a servant of Jesus. That's greatness. Greatness isn't defined by being a mega church, being rich, having everybody in the seats from the middle class. No, that doesn't look anything like the kingdom of God described in the Gospels. It's a mix of people from all kinds of walks of life. And the pastors are servants, and the people are servants, and everybody's treated equally. And there's this sense of humility and a desire. How can I help you? How can I make your life better? That's the gospel. That's why Oswald Chambers said, true leadership is achieved not by reducing men to one's service, but by giving up oneself in selfless service to them. Or better still, this is a great image. Alexander McLaren said, every step on the path to spiritual progress will be marked by the bloody footprints of wounded self-love. I mean, that's powerful. I mean, again, a little gross here, but it's like, you know, you come to the crime scene and there's blood. Someone's been killed. Someone's been injured. And McLaren is saying, if you're walking towards the cross, if you're surrendering your life to the crucified Savior who didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life for answer many, there's going to be bloody footprints all around because your will will have been slaughtered. Your love of self will have been wounded. You'll be dripping blood as you serve Jesus Christ. That's a powerful image. So that's kind of the first plank in this idea of true greatness, serving others. You want to be great in God's kingdom? Serve others. Don't seek to be served. Serve others. Secondly, salute others. It's a matter of saluting others. This takes us to verses 38 to 41. Now John answered him saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbid him because he does not follow us. And Jesus said, don't forbid him. So listen, we're building up an argument here. True greatness is a matter of serving others and doing them good. And secondly, true greatness is seeing good in others and celebrating what God is doing in them and through them, even if we disagree or we differ. John here makes an issue of an exorcist who's drawing outside the lines. Doesn't look like the 12 know him. By implication, it doesn't even look like he was part of the 70 that's described in Luke 10, verses 1 to 17, who were sent out two by two. Maybe he was part of the 70, but it doesn't seem to be. Jesus doesn't seem to know him. The disciples don't seem to know him. So the disciples thought they'd act on Jesus' behalf because this guy doesn't follow us. He doesn't wear the uniform. He doesn't dot the I and cross the T where we do. And they kind of forbid him to cast out any more demons. So so Jesus is kind of censoring them over their censorship, and he's reminding them, hey, I've got other disciples, guys. It's clear that Jesus is endorsing him because there are other disciples than his own disciples. The tent is pretty big. The borders are much broader than they imagine. They were maybe getting used to the privileges they had, getting a little snooty as the twelve. And Jesus brings them down a little bit and says, hold on a minute, guys. Come on, let's think this out. This guy's doing stuff in my name, 
and the enemy's being damaged. People are being delivered from sin and from Satan. So guys, come on. You know, loosen up a little bit. You know, I've called you 12, and I've got a particular job for you to do, and we're going to dot our I's and cross our T's here. I've got 70 beyond you, and I've got more beyond them. So guys, keep a big perspective on the kingdom. You know, let your margins be a little bit broader than they are right now. Hey, people are being delivered from sin and Satan. Can't we celebrate that? And wherever I find that, if the gospel's true, and Christ is being exalted, and people's lives are being transformed, I'm going to celebrate that. And so must you and I. That is something to celebrate, isn't it? You're listening to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy and a message titled, True Greatness. Have you caught all of Philip's teaching in the Gospel of Mark recently? If not, you can hear the messages on our website when you go to ktt.org. We are living in a rapidly changing world, and we don't take it for granted that Christian teaching will always be welcomed on the radio. So we are pushing hard to get the good news out now while we can. But it's not something we can do on our own. Isn't that right, Philip? Tell our listeners how they can partner with us in this important mission. Well, well, thanks, Wayne. I am excited to share with our listeners the opportunities we have today for sharing the gospel through Know the Truth Ministry. These are critical times, and I believe our ministry, Wayne, is on the front line of what God is doing in terms of declaring His Word clear and convincingly. Uh, You know, uh, truth has fallen in the street. So to to use the words of Jeremiah the prophet here in the United States, it seems we're going backwards as a country, both spiritually and morally. And therefore, this ministry has a critical role. We want to redeem the time. We want to be used by God to speak into our nation and uh, the changing culture. And we see this as both the worst of times and the best of times. Uh, We're sad to see the retreat. We're sad to see the reversal. But at the same time, we see a window, an opportunity to proclaim the gospel ever more fearlessly. And we have that opportunity through the multiple media platforms that we have. We're advancing the gospel throughout this nation. In fact, this year, we have embraced an historic opportunity to just reach further and, and into more hearts and into more homes. And so while lives hang in the balance God has called this ministry into existence. I believe we and we're faithful to that call. And you know what? We need listeners to stand with us as we stand for Christ in this evil day. And you know, if you're listening today, uh, can I ask you to prayerfully consider coming alongside us, partnering with us? You know, I was thinking the other day, given what we've just said, Wayne, you know, that old wartime poster. Your country needs you. Remember that point, that finger pointing in the, the direction of every, every man, an able-bodied person in the nation. And in some sense, I'm, I'm doing that to those that are listening today. I'm pointing that finger. We need you. At this time when we're fighting for the soul of our nation, we're, we're contending for the truth. Would you think about standing with us as we stand for Christ in this evil day? Can you help us? By uh, calling us today, uh, going onto our website at ktt.org or calling us at 888-644-8811 and pledging your support. That could be a one-time gift or better still, that could be a monthly contribution. We need your help. The hour is late. We've got the Word of God. We've got the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be faithful to that great commission to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Would you help us today? We'd really appreciate it. 
Yes, thanks, Philip. We hope you'll answer the call to reach more people for Christ in these end times. Become a Truth Ambassador today when you call 888-644-8811 or sign up online at ktt.org. Now, this month is the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, an event that modern Christians owe their heritage to. And as a thank you for your gift today, whether you give a single gift or become a Truth Ambassador and make a monthly contribution, we'll send you a book called The Reformation Still Matters. Find out why a 500-year-old event in Germany may be one of the most important things that ever happened when you give a donation and request your copy of The Reformation Still Matters. Call 888-644-8811 or go to ktt.org. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Glad to have you with us today. Be sure to come back tomorrow for another message from the Gospel of Mark. That's Thursday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. WAVA's Chris Roth here, and recently one of our staff members used 50 Floor, and they could not stop talking about the positive experience they had with their new flooring installation. First, the process was simple and easy. They bring the showroom to you while offering a wide variety of flooring options. No reason to drive all over town. Also, on the day of installation, you don't have to lift a finger to move furniture or any of that stuff. They do it all for you. They move your furniture, they take up and haul away your old floors, install the new floors, clean up, and leave. Now until the end of the month, you're going to save big with 50 Floor's free installation sale on all carpet, hard wood, laminate, and vinyl. Plus, if you use the promo code WAVA, you'll receive an extra $100 off. 50 Floor also offers 12 months, same as cash financing. Please call 877-50-FLOOR or go to 50floor.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Remember to use the promo code WAVA. You'll receive an additional $100 off. Call today, 877-50-FLOOR or 50floor.com. Call 877-50-FLOOR. Pick up the phone, we'll be knocking at your door. Details and licensure at 50floor.com. From Struckville. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.